All right, hi, and welcome to topic 6.4, which is in unit six, Consequences of Industrialism. This is global economic development. Uh, let's get to it. The essential question is, how did environmental factors contribute to the global economy between 1750 and 1900? Economics was the most, amongst the most influential of several motives during imperialism. Remember, those motives were political, economic, and social. Britain industrialized rapidly during the 1700s and 1800s, in order to feed industries' desires for raw materials such as cotton, copper, and rubber, Europe looked to Asia and Africa. American agriculture looked to South America for fertilizer. The people of these continents were also potential consumers of European and American manufactured goods. Finally, colonial peoples provided the labor for large-scale projects such as building railroads or telegraph lines. Colonial workers were paid meager wages for difficult and dangerous labor. In short, natural resources, new markets, and low-wage labor drove economic imperialism. So let's start with technological developments. The Industrial Revolution did not just take place in factories. It affected transportation and communication as well. Railroads. Before the introduction of railroads, transportation from the interiors of colonies to coastal ports was by water or by roads. Most colonies had few roads, and those that existed were usually poorly maintained and often unusable during rainy seasons. Transportation by water was limited to coastal areas and river basins. The introduction of railroads lowered the cost of transporting raw materials for shipment to Europe and opened colonial markets for manufactured goods. Europeans often pointed to their railroad projects as evidence that imperialism helped the people of Asia and Africa. However, providing new transportation technology to the colonies Primarily, primarily served the interests of the colonizers. In India and Africa, the British built a complex railway network that stretched from the interior to the coast in order to ship raw materials out of the country easily. These were not designed basically to transport the natives. Steamships, steamboat, steamboats could transport people, mail, and goods on navigable rivers, such as the Ganges in South Asia and India, and the Congo in Africa. In the 1870s, the development of refrigeration equipment made it possible to ship perishables, such as meat and dairy products across oceans. The meat will become important in just a couple paragraphs. Telegraph, invented in 1832, the telegraph, trans the telegraph transformed communications with the ability to send messages instantly. Telegraph service was introduced to India in 1850. Remember, they were a British colony just five years after it started in Britain. Telegraph lines often followed railroad routes. Submarine or underwater telegraph cables soon crossed oceans. In 1866, the first permanent transatlantic cable was laid between the United States and England. Telegraph service between England and Australia, one of their colonies, was introduced in 1872, and in 1874, service between Portugal and Brazil almost allowed instant communication between Europe and South America. Let's get into agriculture. When Europeans arrived in Asia and Africa, they found mainly agricultural economies, with most people raising enough food to live on, which is called subsistence farming, with perhaps a little leftover to sell. Under control of imperialist powers, subsistence farmers abandoned their traditional ways and grew cash crops instead. And that wasn't generally done by choice, they were forced to. These were crops such as tea, cotton, sugar, oil, palms, rubber, and coffee that were grown for commercial value to sell rather than for use by those who grew them. Imperial demands for cash crops had a damaging effect on subject nations. As cash crops replaced food crops, price, food prices rose. The growing European middle classes created a demand for meat. 
Cattle ranches in Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay pr produce beef for export. Sheep herders in Australia and New Zealand exported lamb and mutton. New technology allowed meat to be shipped over long distances. Meats could be processed in canned and packing plants or shipped fresh or frozen in the refrigerated steamboats that we uh, mentioned earlier. Guano, which is poop, y'all, bat and sea seabird excrement, it's poop, is rich in nitrates and phosphates. These make it an excellent natural fertilizer, which is needed to grow crops. Because of the dry climate in Peru and Chile, vast quantities of guano had accumulated before people began mining it in the 19th century. Between 1840 and 1880, millions of tons of guano were dug by hand and loaded onto ships for export, often by indentured Chinese or Polynesian laborers. They literally were digging piles of poop, y'all, and taking it out. All right, let's now talk about raw materials. The demand for raw materials that can be processed into manufactured goods and shipped away, you know, mercantilism, often back to the providers of raw materials, turned colonies into export economies. Imperial attention focused on the tropical climates that were conducive or good to the presence of raw material, unlike some imperial countries. Cotton. Okay, Britain's parliament banned Indian cotton textiles in 1721 because they competed with the native wool industry. Soon after, cotton from Britain's southern colonies in America, you know, the United States, provided the raw materials, and England would manufacture textiles. That's mercantilism again. During the Industrial Revolution, Britain's great textile mills got 80% of their cotton from the United States. When the American Civil War erupted in the 1860s, northern warships blockaded the southern Confederate ports, cutting off the supply of cotton. As a result, farmers from all over the world, from Australia to the West Indies to India, replaced food production with cotton to make up for the shortage. But Egypt benefited most. Egypt ramped up cotton production, and by the end of the 19th century, 93% of Egypt's export revenue came from cotton. Raw, uh, cotton production from Egypt and India supported the manufacturing of textiles that Britain exported all over the world. Let's talk about rubber. Natural rubber is made from the latex sap of trees or vines. It softens when warm and hardens with cold. So in 1839, Charles Goodyear, yes, Goodyear is in Goodyear tires, developed a process that eliminated these problems of hardening and softening and helped create the modern rubber, rubber industry. Rubber was used to produce tires for bicycles and eventually automobiles, hoses, gaskets, waterproof clothing, and shoe soles, among other items. Native rubber trees in the Amazon rainforest of South America and the native rubber vines from Central Africa provided the world's rubber supply, but they soon were inadequate to meet the demand. In both sources, indigenous people, peoples were forced into virtual slavery. In some cases, companies mutilated or killed workers who failed to meet their quotas or production levels. Eventually, the rubber trade spread to Southeast Asia as thousands of acres of forests were cleared to make room for rubber plantations in Malaya, Indochina, Singapore, and the Dutch East Indies. Palm oil. The machinery in Europe's factories required constant lubrication to keep it working, creating a demand for palm oil, which was also used for candle making. The oil palm originated in West Africa, where it was used at, as a staple food product for 5,000 years. Palm oil was so valued that it was used in place of money in many African cultures. I don't know how they would do that, but that's true. 
Palm oil became an important cash crop in West Africa, where prisoners of tribal war were often enslaved to help with the palm oil crops. European colonists established oil palm plantations in Malaya and the Dutch East Indies. Minerals. Some of the most valuable products were mineral ores used in manufacturing. They came from around the world. For example, Mexico produced silver. Chile, Zambia in, the, in Africa and the Congo in Africa produced copper, which was used for the telegraph lines and also electrical power lines. Bolivia, Nigeria, Malaya, and the Dutch East Indies produced tin, which helped them meet the growing demands for food products in tin cans. And finally, Australia and South Africa, as well as parts of West Africa and Alaska, produced large deposits of gold. All right, diamonds. Cecil Rhodes, important guy. We had a quote from him uh, the first day of imperialism. He acquired some of the De Beers mining claims and formed the De Beers Mining Company in 1880. By 1891, De Beers accounted for 90% of the world's diamond production. Rhodes also had a large stake in the world's largest gold fields, which were discovered in 18, 1886 in South Africa. By the age of 29, when Rhodes was elected to the Cape Parliament, he was the most powerful man in Southern Africa. He sought to expand to the north with the dream of building a railroad from Cape Town, South Africa to Cairo, Egypt, and claiming all the land along the route for the British Empire. Connecting all the British-held colonies with a transportation network could make governance easier and aid in mobilizing for war if necessary. The project was never completed because Britain never gained control of all the land on which it was to be built. In 1890, Rhodes became the prime minister of the Cape Colony where his racist policies paved the way for apartheid, or racial segregation that plagued South Africa during the 20th century. We will definitely get back to that. All right, global consequences of commercial extraction. Farmers were allowed to raise only cash crops, such as sugar, cocoa, or groundnuts at the expense of other agricultural products. This use of land led to what are called monocultures or a lack of agricultural diversity, particularly in developing nations. Large areas were often cleared of forests to make room for farming which took its toll on both biodiversity and the climate. Cash crops such as cotton rapidly depleted the soil's natural fertility. Excuse me. Moreover, crop diseases and pests spread more easily when there was only one crop planted in an area. Today, many of these former colonies have been unable to re-diversify their land use because the development of monocultures has badly damaged crop plants. As a result, they often must import basic agricultural goods in order to feed their people. So as usual, long-term effects, definitely as a result of imperialism.